Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. If you listen on the Entail app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. Hi everybody, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I am finding uh, more than ever before, and before it was quite chronic, that I can't get dressed. Uh, I open my wardrobe and it's like looking into a sort of fancy dress shop full of slightly grubby, ugly things. <laughs> a series of medieval robes and sort of, you know, Egyptian, Egyptian get-ups. It's really, really peculiar. And every morning I vow that I will make an effort and I'll put something on that will make me feel relevant and like the badass that I'm about to bloom into. And every morning I put on tracksuit bottoms and one of three sort of therapy jumpers. <laughs> and all the shtick about loungewear that all the brands have been doing it has not taught me to relax elegantly. I don't own an elegant t-shirt. I don't own a presentable sweatshirt. I am stainy and fallen apart. And fashion-wise, I find that I'm living mostly in a fantasy at the moment. And the fantasy is going quite well, but the reality is rough. How are you, Em? Oh, God, it wouldn't be great if we could actually leap off the wardrobe and for the fantasy to align with the reality one day. Go through the back of the wardrobe and come out dressed like Catherine Hepburn. Exactly. And that there would, yeah. it would be, you would be who you had intended to be, as it were. That's true of so many areas <laughs> of my life. Conversationally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, sartorially. I know. In my head, that sounded even more sort of authoritative as well. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, oh, here I am. My, welcome to my TED Talk about how you can step through the wardrobe and become whoever you want to be. Anyway, do you know what? I'm absolutely fine, but I am really tired of being tested. I feel like the universe is like, okay, let's see if she can be a little bit stronger. Like, come on. I just need a kind of a period of stasis and calm. And that isn't lockdown. That is, or an emotional lockdown or whatever. Just, just a clear couple of weeks would be fine, right? Just a clear couple of weeks where you weren't like, if I can just get through this week, everything's going to be okay. And narrator, it was not okay. You know? That's I think though, I think that you've got all the sticks out of your stick cupboard at the moment. And I think you're using them all to beat yourself with. And maybe you could try being a little kinder to yourself. Oh, well, funny you should mention that, Annabelle. Our next guest is the poster girl for kindness in an industry not renowned for its compassion. Anya Heinmarch, a leader in her field and a few others, is brilliance in human form. Creative, generous, innovative, organised, an accessories giant. She has started various revolutions from her groundbreaking I'm Not a Plastic Bag initiative to her equally disruptive I Am a Plastic Bag project. Ever evolving, incredibly successful and always armed with a labelling machine, Anya has now written a book called If in Doubt, Wash Your Hair, A Guide to Being Kind to Yourself and Living a Little More Boldly. We are thrilled to have her here. Anya, how are you? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm thrilled to be here, actually. Um, I'm absolutely fine, I think, although I will admit um, writing a book about doubt has probably <laughs> made me full of doubt. I mean, it's quite <laughs> shocking, so much so that I actually had crisps for supper last night, which I'm slightly ashamed to admit um, on the motorway. But um, no, I think, like you, it is a weird time. I'm embracing the no fashion thing for the moment, actually. I think that's actually quite a nice moment and a little bit scared to go out again. Does, are you feeling a bit institutionalised in the same way? Well, the, the not getting dressed properly doesn't help. But also, I'll tell you about going out again. First of all, how to be, who to be, you know, to dance to the beat of 
of someone else's drum. We've all got, you know, small and, and, and selfish and scared. But also what I quite liked about last summer is that when we saw the people that we loved over, you know, July and August when we were allowed to, it was early. You know, I remember I was going to my friends. It was like, oh, come at 6.45, later 7.30. And I thought, oh, well, that 8.45 thing was just a construct. That won't happen again. It's happening. <laughs> I think people think it makes them seem rich and glamorous. I know, Annie, you wrote in your book a bit about, you know, thinking that things were glamorous, then realising that you didn't actually want them. <laughs> I don't want the 8.45 for 9 o'clock. 100%. I want to be tucked up in bed for the 9 o'clock news, basically. That's sort of my, that's, that's my dream evening. I know, I'm like Miami OAP dinner reservation, please, 5.30. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Then we're done. It's funny that you're saying writing a book about doubt makes you feel, rather than instilling you with confidence and neutralising that doubt, just you just sort of makes it, it inflames it and makes it sort of, you know, mushroom cloud. And I think there is something at the moment around, if you lean into something, it gets worse before it gets better. You feel it more before you're able to diffuse it. I think so. I think the thing about confidence and doubt, though, is it goes up and down. And um, and actually, I, I feel, I mean, I feel good because I, don't, I, I wanted to write a book talking really openly and honestly because no one's very open and honest I mean I think that's the most important thing so I'm sort of pleased it's, it's sort of down and then you suddenly someone reads you oh, I've got your book and you're like <gasps> and you start seeing it through their eyes and that's a you know it was sort of it was meant for sort of really sort of probably writing to my daughter is how I've written it in my head uh, and then someone you know who, who, who's like a really really clever person goes oh, I'm reading your book and you're like oh no um, but I think you know what I don't really care I think isn't that a nice thing to not care <laughs> it's, really it's care. one of the best things about being old <laughs> Just thinking, <laughs> totally. I just don't care. But 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 writing a book is the ultimate way to package yourself and put it out there for judgment. Really, yeah, it's like it's opening your knicker drawer, really, isn't it? Um, you know, which frankly, <laughs> I mean, that makes not my, my strongest blood... suit. <laughs> <laughs> makes my blood run cold. Not not your knicker drawer, my knicker drawer. Annabelle, we've actually done that. We have actually opened our knicker drawers on this podcast and rifled through them. Actually, the horror, <laughs> the sort of support. Uh, that's, no, that's no, that's trauma. That's trauma. I do therapy but, for that. Annie, you good. shouldn't have any doubts because the book is great it's so warm it's exactly like you sort of in a book which is wonderful warm clever kind funny generous all these things and useful because there are so many little bits in it that nuggets that you fold down you think yes 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 for example tiny talk which is for people who don't know it's sort of small talk basically but better more alliterative uh, so smarter but um, but especially now where we're making tiny talk we're back in the idea that we're going to make tiny talk again it's I find tiny talk terrifying it's very draining isn't it I think as I have to say that I stole the word tiny most of my book is stolen bits by the way it's a sort of a, <laughs> a compilation of, of, of theft and, um, and and actually well they're, they're all the things that help me and, and and by the way the reason I wrote it actually is only because I used to do various talks talking about you know my work and you know to various different audiences and it was always the, the sort of questions at the end from women saying why and what and how did you manage that and how did you juggle that and and sharing that I, I didn't well honestly that seemed to resonate and that's why I thought in a way putting all in a book actually if it just helps one person it's really honest like girl to girl sisterhood kind of you know this is actually the bits that I've struggled with and this is the, you know the advice I had um, and tiny talk I nicked from my very dear friend Sarah it used to make me laugh because I find it very draining. I would rather sit down and negotiate a contract or, or have a really, you know, fiery argument or, um, you know, get furious with my children or, or, I don't know, just try and learn a language, frankly, anything. But that sort of very polite but completely irrelevant sort of <laughs> when everyone's everyone's bored. Haven't you been at those parties where you're boring them? You're boring even yourself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just say, yes. like, I'm so bored. I literally I mean, I want to go to sleep. And then you get stuck in a small circle. And I actually think they should teach you how to... Um, 
navigate that at school. It would be a really useful life lesson, wouldn't it? Sort of how not to get stuck. I remember once someone went, they did a, oh, I really mustn't hug you. Let's go and find someone else. <laughs> like, oh my God, I feel like such a loser. <laughs> and I always do that thing, let me go and get you a drink, meaning I want to escape. And then they go, that would be lovely. And then you've got to go back with a drink. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, oh no. No, I think the secret to those things, because I'm, I'm ruthless about my inability to pull off small talk. And you know, when they used to be drinks parties and those kind of things, is never to stop. So I can do I can do it in seven to nine minutes and um, and or never to stop or constantly to keep moving and to, say, and to say things like, hi, how nice to see you. Don't you look wonderful as you walk past? <laughs> well, there you go. You see, I've just learned something. That's the point. We should all share these tips because I got very stuck with Tiny Talk and I'm, I'm so polite. I mean, I am ruthlessly polite, which is which is a failing, frankly. Um, and my more ruthless friends are just like, just go, thanks. It's lovely. I'm going to move on. See you in a bit. And you're like, oh, that would be so easy. But I hadn't learned that you could do that. No one had taught me. No. Um, so I think we need to share all these tips. Frankly. I don't know. Really that, I don't know. It's a good life lesson. I wouldn't take that away from <laughs> with you. I always say I need to, to go to the loo, which is sort of like sort of so negative on oneself. Yes, but it? Emily, like, with your so... bladder, it's probably true. No, totally. Yeah, but but it's like... the, t- the tenth time you've done that, <laughs> yes, yes, a little, like, people start to worry. worried about that woman. I know, wouldn't it be great if we could just have like in the Oscars, you know, when they wrap up the music that says, right, you need to move this along. Maybe for every group, you could have a kind of like someone playing. Closing credits yes, when, exactly. the, when the conversation like, has reached its zenith. But actually, the truth is, the truth is we can now avoid those. I I think if, the, if there are some lessons from this, going to bed early, big tick. Early dinners, better for you in every respect. Rather spend my energy doing something in the morning. It makes me feel better than the hangover the next day of a late night. But also avoid the tiny talk things you know just don't go actually we it is it is a choice isn't it i think that's the real take out that you know we can just say no <laughs> no you really what can't. i have enjoyed though over this last year of sort of you know boredom slash trauma is um <laughs> is a different kind of tiny talk which is granular i can't think of, a, of an alliterative you know gossip gran- granular gossip granular gossip where i find that i'm talking about things like bicycle lanes or you know or one famously awful conversation discussing the merits of various different pasta shapes and how relaxing it can be yeah. to have really boring conversations with the people you love yeah no well that's, those are interesting conversations I, agree. I, I find that fascinating <laughs> I mean that's the point I think it's okay to realize that you're sad accept it because you're happy that way just you know? <laughs> I think I think that's sort of what the book's about isn't it well that's actually... one of the bits of the book that I really liked actually is that you sort of talk a list about all the things that you are and I noticed you don't talk about what you're not really which is often how we define ourselves I'm not this I wish I were more that you talk about that you're you know that you're a bit of a geek that you like choral music that you'd rather watch something sad than something happy and just to do a little bit of a sort of positive inventory to work out um your identity I suppose Yes, are those positive? I'm not sure. I think it's a sort of it's a sort of double negative. But um, but yeah, no. I think I think the point is you get to my ripe old age. I'm now 52, um, and you kind of realise that even though you think all those fun big fashion parties, I mean, I think I'm quite an introvert anyway, probably. And you think all those big fun fashion things, and they are lots of them are fun. I'm not saying they're all you know not fun, but mostly it's not what I do well. I'm not I'm not good at the tada. I'm not good at look at me. You know, I love creativity I love all the kind of behind the scenes and I'm that passionate about that but I kind of want to do it in my way and um and I struggled a bit I think with the fact that to be a creative person I think I am well I've accepted I am a creative person but you don't have to kind of look like a creative person to be a creative person do you know what I mean? and I think it's you you sort of accept things about yourself and you you work out what genuinely makes you happy and those times and I talk about it in the book those times where you know, you know, you were really happy. You, you weren't sitting worrying what you're doing with your hands, are they on your face? And, you know, you're, you know, all that. So when you're just not quite comfortable versus those times where you're with people that really make you laugh, that 
accept you for who you are um, and actually just lean into them don't obviously you know not do anything else because you learn and you you know you pull and it's fun but but I think actually just sort of work it out you know but uh, no one really told me that I kept feeling I should strive and so I just wanted to kind of write down all those um those sort of for me those nice realizations those elderly realizations you're but you are you're I know this is your first book but you are generally a writer downer aren't you whether it's lists or visualization that's you 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 put it out onto paper don't you I do if I write a diary every night actually which I have done since I was about 11 which I like as a sort of process of at the end of the day just sort of and it's what I did. It's not emotion. It's just what I did. And it's nice because I have the worst memory. It's actually quite nice. I can think, oh, I met that person on that date. Or if you look back and think, well, was I feeling that then? Yeah, I was a bit. Or so if you're ever a murder about... suspect, then you can <laughs> yeah, say, no, 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 no. Here's the We're diary good. I wrote yeah. on June no, 10th, no, 2012. I was, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was in Sainsbury's. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, but no, so I, yeah, I like writing things down. I find it sort of makes it clearer in my head. It's almost like an intention, isn't it? When you write something down, it sort of makes it actually makes it happen. So I'm a real a big believer in that. But um, no, writing a book's quite hard. Actually, I thought, you know, listen, it's seven essays and a subject I could talk about happily for hours. But actually getting it into a sort of structure and, you know, then you move it around and getting all the links to work. It was harder than I thought, actually. <laughs> anyway, it's done. But it hasn't, haven't, haven't most things that you've done been harder than you thought, whether it was starting running a business or having five children? Yes, you're right. You're probably right, Annabelle. You can be my therapist this morning. But um, yeah, no, probably. Um, but you know what? It's fun, isn't it? I think you have to push yourself a bit, don't you? And that was an uncomfortable thing. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm slightly dyslexic. I, I certainly wasn't sort of, you know, the most academic girl at school, um, which is fine. And I've made peace with that. It's okay. But, you know, and I, I, but I just wanted to write down those things that I know that, you know, people have asked me and that, that I learned and really helped me in those moments. I'm like struggling with those bits. So I thought I'd just sort of shove it all in a on a, you know, between two covers. Between two pieces of bread. And, um, and, and why is it called, if in doubt, wash your hair? Well, because the one thing that everyone always asks at the end of those talks is, you know, what's your best bit of advice? And it is always, if in doubt, wash your hair, because it's that silly thing. And it is, it's a silly quip because it's kind of, you know, mad. But it is, it is a sort of fresh start, isn't it? It is that sense of, I feel the best version of myself. And, and it also refers to doubt, because actually when you don't, you somehow doubt yourself. You're sitting in a meeting thinking, if I just washed my hair, I would have felt sort of better or I might have sort of sat up a bit straighter or looked people in the eye. So it's, um, it's really about self-care, I guess. It's about making that bit of time for you. Uh, it's about sort of a fresh start and I think it addresses a little bit that doubt so it just felt like a really obvious sort of title for the book really. But I like that idea of a mini fresh start the idea that we can all press reset for ourselves in ways that don't necessarily mean and now I'm going to train to be a lawyer. I think that's the thing it's the sort of tiny granular things that kind of shift your mood and and also make you feel I don't want to say empowered but I, I can't think of a better word but rather than reading a book that makes you feel like you are less than and that in order to be successful you're going to have to kind of find resources that you just don't have whereas I feel like your book is about bringing out all the things that we have as women or as creators or whatever and kind of amplifying that and sharing and I I mean I love all your pass the baton and I think women are really good at collaborative working and that kind of thing and so it's that it's not like you know strive to smash the glass ceiling and do this and do this in a kind of because for me that automatically makes me want to clench and lie down and hide and whatever. Also it's (laughs) abstract isn't it? Yes. You say I'm now going to it's like saying I'm in and now for world domination it's sort of it's, it's psychotic it doesn't make sense. But also, I think there's been such a thing about women trying to be men 
Um, and and it's an old argument, but it, it, I write a lot about this because one thing I really struggle with is I, I realised actually I was working as hard as my dad did when I was a child, but I was also trying to be the mother that my mother was and is, you know, which was very much the homemaker. And, you know, it, literally every sort of bowl of Brussels sprouts was sort of homegrown and came with a, a, a you know, a chive tied into a bow and crinkled sort of, you know, toasted breadcrumbs and you know and I was just like oh my god I'm just never going to achieve that and I I felt really bad and you actually also have to kind of look at it again and think you know what now we're doing very different things and therefore and James had the same issue with my husband because he was we would go to a dinner and I would always write the thank you letter because I felt that I should because that's kind of what the woman does he went to the same dinner and didn't feel that he should um and you know he also realized we, so I think the lines are being redrawn and we're possibly this generation that sort of suffered this sort of this transition and it's it's quite tough actually so I think I just wanted to kind of write all those bits down which those realizations really helped me and um there's quite a lot of just really practical things you know from managing kids when they're you know want to go out all night and, and you know you've got a big board meeting the next day and you don't want to do all you know Christmas stuff so it's, it's quite sort of granular in a way um but I hope kind and and really honest um not at all cool <laughs> but um but you know it's it's the stuff that I think and I also I don't think you you need to smash the glass and you can do great stuff and and do it in a way that can be feminine and can also allow you to have a family so we need to kind of rethink that that rhetoric a bit I think I want to talk to you about the moment when someone said to you in a a meeting room I think it was take the emotion out of it Anya or something like that wasn't it yeah they used my name which I always think is very aggressive when someone says Anya you must that's that's my real when anyone ever does that it was slightly kind of clench um yeah it was it was a it was a it was a bit of a defining moment for me Anya you must take the emotion out of this and I'm like actually no I'm not going to, because actually emotion is 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 what we do and what women are particularly good at, not just women, but what women are very good at. And actually, I think it's a it's a female superpower. Actually, I think that it's it's um you know you don't bring up a family without emotion, you don't grow a business without emotion, you don't run a team without emotion, you don't do anything actually without emotion very well, I don't think. And it was really it was one of those moments where it, and it stung at the time, it stung, and I wish I'd had a good retort, but I didn't. It was really annoying. I'm still still slightly sort of pranging about that. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's down now um but i i really it was it was funny because actually i think it came from a, a place of, of weakness on the part of the other person who probably didn't have any sort of other shots to fire do you know what i mean it was how can i sort of score a, a bit and i think that's um that in itself is also interesting so yes let's keep the emotion in yes I think. and c- certain words that are only leveled at women you know whether it's you know hysterical or yeah. bossy or emotional yeah you know they tend to be yeah, totally. and, and usually when when a man runs out of something to say as you say but it's true there's all those double standards aren't there where where it's sort of like a man is assertive but a, a woman is angry it's like how does that work how did they get the and I really hope not to be man bashing because I mean I work with amazing you know men and, and I think the point is it, it's shifting there's a shift that's going on so you know the roles are being redrawn the workplace is looking a bit different and it's much healthier and happier I think as a consequence so but things actually need to to, to work around I mean I think it's actually I mean, you know, I think it's been about gender, but it's now about diversity in the same way. You know, things have to have a shunt and they have to um, find and reform and and adapt. And of course, people who have been used to it, that sort of comfy coat of the way it's worked, find that quite a challenge. And that's understandable, too. So it's just about kind of taking people on that journey. But it's happening, which is good, frankly. And also emotion, isn't it a sort of portal to creativity? If you understand how things make you feel, can you then not go on and... I mean, how can you create anything without feeling? I mean, it's just just a joke. And, And I don't think you can... Run. I mean, I, I have so much emotion in my in my company. You know, we we laugh, we cry, we we. You know, we, it's it's all about emotion. You know, it's product. It's it's feeling. It's all about how you know fashion's about how it makes you feel. So you know, you wouldn't do it without emotion. So it it was it's a, it's laughable. But it was it was interesting how it stung and how it it didn't seem. 
you know, I'm sure that that phrase has been used again and again. So um, anyway, it's just we're in a change and it's exciting. And, and I'm sure that, um, you know, all of us are struggling with it. I am too. I'm still wanting to write the thank you letters. I mean, we're all works in progress, I think, probably. If you're running this this progressive fashion company, this organisation where you want people to be free thinking and free feeling, how do you safeguard against that overflowing into conflict? Unhealthy um, conflict. I think, well, I think you, and it's one thing I keep quite short reins on, actually, in, in our creative meetings, is, is a really lovely, healthy banter. Um, because people will come up with completely crap ideas, um, but they actually might lead to something. And you want people, therefore, to be safe, feel safe enough to say something bad. So because we always say creatively as a group that when we look back on something we've done, hang on, where did that come from? Where, where, what was the sort of, what was the chain of ideas? And it's really interesting. And often it can, it can start with one really hopeless bad idea so I think it's about um you know having a a sort of an atmosphere um and a sort of um you know fluid kind of atmosphere that means that people can feel safe to do that and actually it's 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 something that's quite interesting to me that because um I have worked with a lot of people also who find that difficult they can't give criticism or take criticism without it becoming a bit of a you know sort of digging in their heels and it becoming a problem um and I think that often starts with the atmosphere around a family table actually you know it's almost a way your, your mo is sort of slightly cemented actually I think at that point this is this is cod psychiatry I mean literally no idea at all about this but I, it's quite hard once once people are sort of set in that way it's quite difficult to to get them out of of that uh, and actually it's interesting in a, in a group you can sort of nudge it a bit actually and sort of just you know sort of make it sort of more fluid but you I think it's really crucial that people can have bad ideas and not feel judged um, or feel shut down and that's where you get the best creativity I think. Uh, there's there's something you wrote about that uh, that is very familiar to me, which is that sometimes you know when you're working so collaboratively, um, you you have you have this brilliant idea, and when you try and remember who came up with it, you can't. Every single idea is that actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, occasionally they're mine, obviously, um, but <laughs> mostly they're not. Um, but so it really is. It's one idea and something, and then someone else, and then it goes there, and then that actually can't work because it's either too expensive or logistically it can't do it, and so therefore we morph to that, and then so so it, it's absolutely a sort of it, it's. I always talk about. Um, um, it's a bad analogy because I'm not a sailor, but you know when you sail, you you get from A to B, but you tack, you go a bit left, a bit right. You never actually go in a straight line sailing. It's always that, um, tack, tack, tack. And I think that well, I think most things in life are like that actually. But creativity for sure is 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 that I think in my experience. I also really like the fact that you that you said that you bring up the fact that you want a male choir every to every idea. <laughs> it's like, what about there's Anya in the corner going, not in the corner, obviously at the head of the table, going, oh, yeah, I, in the corner. Is this, often. is this is this time for the choir? And everyone's like, not not this time, not this time. And then finally, <laughs> have you ever got your choir? I did. I got it. I mean, literally, I'm not sure if it was out of a sort of sympathy vote. I mean, she says it one more time. But the sweetest, the sweetest thing. So just to give the context, is I'm I'm I am the nerd that loves choral music. We touched on earlier, which sort of comes from my my school. And um, and it just makes me really deeply happy. So I, I love the, the the idea of these large male voice choirs, particularly the Welsh male voice choirs. It's something just really touches my soul. And um, so I kept sort of saying, please, please, please. And on my 40th birthday, as a surprise, unbeknownst to me, I was sitting at my desk and in walked an 80 strong male voice Welsh choir, which I mean, just literally was kind of bawling, but it was so beautiful. So that was very lovely. But no, we did do it for work, actually. We did um, a show called Diversion, which is all about the art of the, um, the graphics on the motorway. Call me strange. Lovely Margaret Calvert, who designed, amazing woman, who designed all the, um, the graphics for the motorway. And they're amazing graphics because they're so clear and they're so iconic in many ways. Um, and we did a show that, um, that was all around that. And at the very end, this this huge male voice choir came out, um, all dressed in high biz as part of the sort of motorway and sort of seeped into the audience. So it literally sort of came and oh. almost sort of touched the, the audience. So, yeah, I got my way twice. <laughs> Amazing. Well done. 
Thank twice you. in a lifetime. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the um, the woman who's made a felt NHS? Oh, amazing! The, the pharmacy. The pharmacy, amazing. isn't it incredible? Yeah, it's amazing. I know. I, know. I just she's got a lockdown knitting. Well, it's just also just the specialist passion to do that. I mean, you, you've got to be an obsessive haven't you it's re- it, i just love that that obsessive craft it's really exciting it's one of the things that that uh, it's, you know gets me out of bed in the morning it's really cool really clever creative so thing. if um if emotion is one superpower then then from reading your book and knowing you it feels like organization might be another yes i know <laughs> two quite conflicting what things, would you <laughs> say to people well i mean apparently not if we look at you but for me quite <laughs> so <laughs> You know, particularly when you're saying that your pet hate is the drawer of, of shame, which is the one with the... It's the drawer. I know you say everything has a place. What's it? Each, everything everything has a place. in its place. Everything has a place and everything in its place. Do you have a drawer of shame? I just need to know. Do you have one? What if What if yes. it doesn't have a place? Well, actually, I'm, I, I, not not really. I, well, sort of. Emily does. That's sounding very doubtful. <laughs> it's more things that are scattered all over the house. <laughs> Well, I think the thing is, I think there's an art in organisation. I think there's, and to be honest, my life would be pretty uncomfortable without it. And I felt so, I, my kids call me the fun tampon because, you know, this is a subject that is pretty dull, I will, I will confess. Um, but the, the fact is that, it, you know, I think with five kids and everything, unless you're organised, like, and then you're just, you're just responding and you're then leaning on people at the last minute. And that's, that's never a fun feeling, is it? You don't mind saying to someone three weeks in advance, would you be really kind and collect my kids because I've got this coming up. But the day before, can you help? You know, you're actually, you're just a pain and that's that's not fun. So I also think for me, it is a slightly um, controlling thing in the sense that when I feel out of control, it makes me feel back in control. So that's the probably least healthy um, side of it. But um, no, I've always been one for kind of like dividers and files and sort of highlighters. and you Even know. when you were 18 and in Florence? No, 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 out, out, of, out of the womb, out of the womb. I mean, out I, of, I, I, yeah, oh. aged five, I was making So it, it, did, it didn't come out of necessity when all the children no. appeared? No, or... no, in fact, we were talking about it last night, strangely, in the car, because I, I've just always, I mean, the moment Filofaxes were born, that was like, I mean, honestly, one of the highlights of my life. Then the Palm Pilot, if you remember, obsessed. I mean, I, anything like that, just completely delicious. Uh, the efficiency, the organisation, she's laughing at me. Yeah, that's actually quite rude. I, think. I can see her because she's on Zoom. Well, I'm, so, I'm, also, I'm also laughing, laughing slash panicking as I look down and realise I've got 11,982 unread emails, Don't, which no, is my no. filing system. Oh, I I mean, I've come up in hives and hives. Um, so no, I can't can't do that. That's not that's that's worse than a, the the bad draw. No, but the draw is when I, I, I like so everything in its place is the point is actually makes you more efficient. So if you have all your light bulbs with your light bulbs and you have all of your plugs with your plugs, all of your cables and chargers together, all of your you know pharmacy together, then you, you know where to go and you're not then going to buy another one because you can't find it. It's it's just efficient basically. Um, and my kids do. They have a drawer each in the kitchen table their own drawer and within it I think slightly despite me they will have like a note from a holiday from you know three pound <laughs> note then they'll have a an old charger that doesn't belong to anything that you know that, that's sitting there and then there'll be a, a light bulb there'll be a I don't know some uh, there's just like a mix of everything that just has you know so I, I, that makes me feel uneasy and I know I have to kind of be a bit more to go with the flow but um, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm quite, quite an organised person I guess I just feel that some things don't have a place and I'm trying to think of an example I'm, you yeah. know, I'm challenge I'm, me uh, Yes, I'm trying to. What doesn't have a place? <laughs> well, so much so that I've developed this whole series of wash bags, that, which we, we call our labelled collection, because I, my brother gave me a labelled machine for, for Christmas one year, which is the single best present. I've got one probably next to me somewhere here. Ever, where, it's like the old dino ones. You know those ones where you'd have your like, keep out on your bedroom door and you would turn yeah. them and click. And now you have ones you can just type it in and it prints out these beautiful white labels. And um, 
and you know you can write. So I would label everything, including my children, if I could, on their foreheads. Um, <laughs> and it started with that, and then actually I like I like the fact that when I'm travelling, I have one sort of wash bag that says cables and chargers, so I know I won't get to my hotel room in Japan with without the right charger, or one that might be for. I don't know, makeup and then one that's for hair and one that's for whatever it might be. So it's just, it's, it's a whole system basically. Um, and, and I love a system because <laughs> I am really sad. Do you, do you miss the traveling? No, I really don't. You know, going to Japan for a long weekend for work, it just feels inappropriate, doesn't it? And I, I feel I have to hand that baton actually on to, because the travel is so important. There's nothing like it. You're looking at what's going on in Myanmar right now. And having been there, somehow it just touches me even more, I think. I think it's really, really important to travel. But I think, you know, we, we need to slow down. That's one of the, even if we all 20% reduction, you know, even if we just start, but we have to. Yes, I mean, a, f- a couple of uh, a business person said to me last week, it just, it, he's the same person who describes when he travels getting something called hotel weep, where you go <laughs> and the jet lag hits and you're in maybe a very nice hotel and you just and you just start crying. But he just said, you know, really, you know, going to New York for a meeting, haven't we all grown up a bit now? We don't really need to do that anymore. No, we don't. The, well, the only problem is that relationships and connections I mean it, it just is completely different there's no two ways about it it's like the the whole temperature of the relationship goes up you go out for a you know, dinner a couple of drinks and you laugh and then you've actually you, that sustains um a sort of digital relationship for quite a long time but you do kind of need to top it up I think otherwise it is just a you know a square patch on the screen and a salary isn't it really a bit it's not quite the same and you're staring engagement. at the screen getting more and more depleted because you're straining for connection and mm. zoom is the illusion of connection so mm. it doesn't quite work mm. and i think it might be one of the reasons that um all of us have started walking so much mm, 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 i know because mm, mm. you started walking a, a, a while ago didn't you oh i mean um yeah um, 17 years ago or something it's my passion i actually prefer seeing friends walking than going out to dinner in some ways because um you have a really good chat, really sort of, you know, almost sort of like a gender, you know, you used to walk and you're marching. And it's a lovely way to catch up, you have a really nice coffee afterwards. And you feel, you know, you've done your exercise, you've caught up with your friend, sort of, so sort of body and mind. And so walking, I know you said, sort of change, rather, rather changed your life. And I was also interested about what you said about breathing. And there were two things that I thought were really interesting. One, that you said that someone had taught you to concentrate on the out-breath. We're feeling breathless and panicked, we all start gasping. Am I right in thinking that if you concentrate on emptying your lungs, you can relax more effectively that was useful to me yeah I mean I once um when I was at school I, I loved singing and I thought about it as a career actually and but I once went and did uh, there was like a music competition and it just went really badly wrong and really never recovered from it. it took me years before I could stand up in front of people and and speak even so I did this thing called neuro-linguistic programming where they kind of just reprogram your mind it's really interesting and and actually it's sort of gone now but the sort of that hyperventilating thing um, where you just kind of get more and more sort of shallow breaths and you're sort of panting, you're not actually properly taking in enough air. And, and so you then, yes, that your your natural instinct is, is you know, take more air and gas, gas, and actually makes it worse. Whereas if you exhale, actually, it's much better. And actually just breathing is so important. As I mean, you know, yogis know I'm not one of them, but, you know, it just actually is incredibly important. So that really, really helped me, actually, yeah. Can you talk to me about Golden Sparkles? <laughs> yeah, well, I was doing. I had to do a talk actually, and I was. Um, I'm now really worried fresher. about what this is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing dodgy. I'm afraid to say. I wish it was. It would make it more more fun, frankly. Um, but I was um, having to do a talk, and I was sitting next to a friend of mine who's an actress. Who's an actress? And she and I was like, oh, and she went, just do this little trick, and you sort of breathe in, and then exhale for seven. And as you exhale, you imagine just little sort of sparkles going all around your body, all the way down over your shoulders, down 
of your legs and down to your toes. And it just, it's amazing how it just really, really calms you down. So there's all those little tricks actually that really help. Sometimes I feel that my life is just, is, is, is held together by concealer, dry shampoo and little tricks. <laughs> well, there you go. As, that's your, as that's you say, your book. <laughs> mostly stolen. <laughs> but that's the thing. And I think, you know, and isn't that, that's old wives tales, isn't it? And I think they're, they're nurtured as they go down the generations. And, but the thing is, of course, they have to change. And that's why, you know, for me, that, that transition generation piece of, of, trying to be everything that, that I really struggled with that because I felt a failure as a mum because I wasn't doing it and you actually suddenly was actually no we have to we have to change the traditions change the the wives tales to actually to be you know to make make sense in the way that we are and that's that's really great actually and it's quite nice that we're making new traditions so actually it's just reframing it in your head isn't it actually rather than sort of feeling your failings actually actually we're pioneering and we're making we're doing things in a different way and then you hand that on down so I think the stealing is important Apart from the stealing of the tiny tricks, what have you learned about women from making handbags for them? Well, I really think women are amazing, honestly. And I tell you what, as I get older, my girlfriends matter more and more, actually, to me. And they are, you know, I count you both, smart, intelligent, kind, collaborative people. And that's not dissing men, I'm just talking about my girlfriends. And and I realise I really you know, just love their company. So, you know, handbags are, what's a handbag? Handbags are about taking the things with you as you leave the house, isn't it? It's about organisation. Um, it's about, there's a sort of fairly sort of a bit of a nesting thing, a bit of a, you know, that, I and mean, it's interesting during lockdown, what you don't need is a handbag. And yet the strangest thing was one of our best selling handbags during lockdown, people were buying handbags, was one called the end flight bag. Isn't that the, the weirdest thing? Maybe that's people dreaming. Cause <laughs> just dreaming fantasy. Is also good, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I think that, um, you know, you learn, you do learn, there is a sort of an inner sort of sanctum there's something special about the inside of someone's handbag that's that's simmered down to the the, the absolute necessities of what they need so it's quite telling what people, what's in people's handbags i think one of the things apart from getting dressed that i wondered as we came out of lockdown was how to sort of pack my handbag again because yeah. i picked up a handbag i hadn't used in six months and it was full of really bizarre detritus and i, I know thought, like a past life it's like tea leaves yes. it's like sort of set i know i love sometimes taking a photograph of, of of a table at the end of a dinner you know like a family dinner and someone's got a bit of peeled sort of orange skin and then there's a bit of coffee and almost it sort of says quite a lot it's like the sort of you know it's quite sort of sweet the sort of the picture something has um, happened here but i think handbags change handbags really are about about i mean for me a handbag's ultimately quite a it's got to work it's not about brand or status that's the thing i don't love handbag is about things that work so what was interesting is you know a lot of people took up cycling so actually what you need is a really lovely workable backpack that has this great pocket that you you know you unleash something it's a mesh that goes over the helmet or we designed a working from home bag because actually you know, people are sort of moving from room to room or or commuting less but either way you need to have your desk at home and your desk at work so you actually need to be able to set up your desk wherever you are and I've always been that person my entire office is in my handbag so I can set up and have, I've got my inbox and we designed this bag that literally has an, a, a section called inbox and a section called outbox and a place for your laptop, place for your headphones, your glasses, your stationery, your makeup, your, so it's almost like a checklist. Um, and I wonder really, as we become maybe carless going forward, who knows what's going to happen in cities, but I think we will have a lot less cars. We'll probably all take to scooters and different ways of traveling. And then again, the way we travel and the way we move things, which is what, you know, hammocks are, will again shift. So, I mean, it's just interesting. It has to reflect what's going on in life. Isn't the it, really? thought of a bag like that, that could be my mobile office with everything in its place, makes me feel, just the thought of it makes me feel dynamic and like I could get shit done. Well, there you go, you see. That is the point. And that's that's the point, that handbags can make you feel good. And I like that because you just feel like everything's based. You can find it really quickly. You feel on top of your game. And I think that's what I like about handbags. That's one of the things I like about what you do is, is, is there's sort of nostalgia sentimentality, brutal practicality, beauty, 
all sorts of quite feminine things all rolled into these into these products and, and that's made the- out of recycled recycled nylon so hopefully something environmentally friendly too but no i like that nerdy side of things and that's what handbags are that's what they should be they shouldn't be status look at me i'm really rich that's really boring do you think yes but a good one makes you feel good particularly <laughs> if you can't get dressed <laughs> You know, sometimes I think that's why I'm dreading the summer because partly because it's light and I feel exposed and sort of insane, but also because I know that at the moment, if I just have, if I can find a good coat and a good bag, yeah. no one will ever know the chaos that lies beneath. They, they are mood changing. There's no no two ways about it. But I think they also need to work, and that's really nice. So um, that's the thing that I that I love. You are mood changing. Yes, you are. and uh, you always have been, and everybody says so. It's usually awful when someone says, and everybody thinks so. Well, they do. Everybody says so. Um, congratulations on your wonderful book, If in Doubt, Wash you, Your Hair, um, which I just did. And um, yes, I did too. And thank you so much for coming to see us. And please come again. You've come before. Please come oh, again. I would love to. And lots and lots of love. It's so nice oh. to see you. Take care. Thanks, Anya. <laughs> lots of love. Bye. Bye, Bye darlings. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Fear can trick you into living a boring life. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.